This episode of the Designated Drinker Show is brought to you by Buffalo and Bergen, inspired by the New York soda shops of yesteryear. It's a new spin on the old classics, from knishes to cocktails. You'll enjoy bagels, egg cream, sodas, and so much more. If you want authentic, then you have to go to the source, Buffalo and Bergen, located in Union Market. For hours of operation and directions, visit buffaloandbergen.com. That's buffaloandbergen.com. The more things change, the more they change. Time moves on. Empires rise and fall. And history is written by the one with the pen. There are moments, days within otherwise unremarkable years or even decades, that can change the course of a person's life or countries, or cities. These moments are indelible. They mark us. They divide our lives into what came before and what comes after. On a personal level, it could be a marriage, the loss of a loved one, or the birth of a child. On a larger scale, it could be the end of a war, the coming down of a wall, or the devastation of a natural disaster. For New Orleans, there will always be a before and after Katrina. And while in the dozen years since that horrible storm, the city has more than shown its strength and resilience, it has transformed. The New Orleans of today isn't the same as it was in 2005. In some ways, it's better. In some, it's just different. Good, bad, or different, you just can't keep New Orleans down. And the culture at the heart of this amazing city continues to thrive. And welcome to the Designated Drinker Show. Not only is it the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails, we are at the Napoleon House in New Orleans, the Big Easy, the Crescent City, and the birthplace of jazz, and of the very first cocktail, the Sazerac. I'm Louise Salas, here with my co-conspirator of all things cocktail, the Mixtress DC, Gina. Welcome, y'all. Yes, I am the Mixtress DC, and I love New Orleans. This is my 14th year. I love your uh, southern accent on, with it, with that uh, New York accent mix. That's good. Yeah. It's really right. good. <laughs> I could do other accents, Louise. I bet you can. <laughs> um, as I always say, if you're not having fun in NOLA, then you only have yourself to blame. Speaking of fun, who do we have on the show today, Louise? Today, we'd like to welcome the designated drinker, Todd A. Price, the dining writer for Times Picayune. Hey, you got it right. Very Woo-hoo! good. Thanks I for having me. Practicing that one. <laughs> Let's not tell a lie. The Times Picayune. Yep. <laughs> Where the hell is a pick? What is a uh, it? It was a coin that was smaller than a penny. So I, I have to assume at one point that's what the paper cost. Well, whatever the earlier incarnation of the paper that got rolled into the six others that we have now become. You know yeah. how it goes. So well, now you're a media platform. Right? Media platform. Yeah, that's yes, what our boss says. So we we do it all. So. So uh, I think uh, what everyone wants to know is how the hell do you become a dining writer? And is that the same as a, what we would call a food critic? Or is, it, or is you nicer than a food critic? Generally, no. Normally I'm nicer. No, I do some criticism of, of recently opened restaurants. But we have a food critic who handles most of the reviews. Uh, I do features, news. Oh, all that gotcha. kind of stuff. So you're so. the you're the guy that everyone likes. You're, you're I, I'm good, good cop. Brett Anderson are critics. Bad <laughs> cop, except when I have to be bad cop too. Yeah. You know, but you yeah, just yeah. Cannot tell a lie. You're that's like, oh. right. That's right. I'm the earnest one. So, <laughs> um, so, oh, so how, how did this happen? Was it, 
How did I get to be? Yeah. How, oh. how long did you make this happen? You've, you've worked at it for a while, but what was what's the secret sauce? Yeah, no, I don't know what the secret is. I mean, my pathway, um, which I don't think is traditional, is I got a PhD in 17th century Spanish literature, and then only 10 years later became a food critic. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I we moved here in 2004 uh, to New Orleans, and... I was teaching some Spanish grammar at Tulane and decided I wanted to write about food, and I was naive enough not to realize everybody else did too. Um, oh. And I just kept plugging away and freelancing, and 10 short years later, I got a staff job at the paper doing it full-time. So That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it just goes to prove that you just should follow what your passions truly yeah, are. Yeah, and, and have 10 years to spare. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a little helpful. Too. <laughs> but as a, as, a, as a professor, you were able to joke. Yeah, no, no, it, it was a good combo. You know, I had summers off so I could write about food or do a Zagat guide or photos or whatever else I did back in the freelancing days. So. That's awesome. Yeah. No. That's awesome. So uh, it, it is, it, do you just really then, you focus mostly on food and just the new things that are happening in the industry? Is that yeah, kind of I mean, main, I mean, really restaurants and drinks, uh, more restaurants than drinks. I did the drink coverage for the paper for about five years as a freelancer. And now uh, your liver's like... Yeah, my, my, my liver needed a bit of a rest, so I'm, <laughs> I'm working in the food and, and now my stomach's getting larger so uh but i mean honestly in this city there are so many places opening so much going on that i can't even keep up with the restaurant stuff yeah. so uh it's i mean this place has just exploded and doesn't seem to be slowing down so oh that's great that's yeah. good to hear i mean is, i would yeah. say for somebody who's not from uh new orleans that you you long to hear for the rebound and for it to to find a new space yeah. especially after something as devastating as as katrina yeah and it's not like we can pretend like we know it, it we don't know that it happened yeah and it's been i mean it's been a long i mean if you look there's kind of been two waves focusing on the restaurants you know i mean the whole city is a complex beast but yeah. um you know i mean really before katrina it was a much more traditional city, uh, a lot more neighborhood restaurants, a lot more, you know, chefs would joke about everybody had to do, you know. The staples. Yeah, you had to do Gulf seafood, brown butter, and crab meat on top. And if you didn't, the guest would sort of riot. Um, and, and right after the storm, it was just such upheaval that you saw a lot of people who really, you know, they lost their jobs. Yes. They, you know their lives they, they lost, lost their, their lives yeah. but you know i mean and if there was a glimmer of hope there a lot of people just kind of took chances because if you were the sous chef at some great restaurant and the restaurant didn't reopen then why not just find a little space and try it so there was a lot of like creativity uh that kind of launched right after the storm because people were just kind of making do and a lot of them doing what they'd want to do before but didn't want to take a chance and now when you kind of lose everything, you might yeah. as well take a chance. It's, it's amazing when, when you hit those spaces, like yeah. devastating spaces, how uh, resilient people can be. And in the it, it's the silver lining yeah. where yeah. you come out on the other side and, and what's happening is, is far better than what happened before. I mean, it was, it took, don't get, yeah, don't no, me be no, a no, no, and it's, and it's no been means. uneven. And, you know, I yeah. think if anything, we've seen a loss of these neighborhood restaurants. I mean, New Orleans was a city where, and it still is to some extent, but where you see bars and restaurants just kind of hidden away in neighborhoods. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that has gotten lost. I mean, these places have been converted to homes, and you m used to have the bar down the street that had the po' boys, and then now it's, you know, a half-million-dollar renovated house. So, yeah. so that's kind of been lost. But I think the, uh, the second wave is recently, and for better or worse, I mean, I think you, we see a lot of what the rest of the South sees. Uh, there's, you know, real energy in, in restaurants across the South. And so we see restaurants, but they may not be so different from what you'd see in Nashville or yeah. Birmingham or Charlotte, um, which isn't to say they're not great. We're not glad to have them, but 
Uh, I think in some ways that most recent wave is a little less distinct in New Orleans. So maybe just a, a slight um, uh, to um, sorry, uh, kind of leaving that those traditions behind. Yeah. The kind of finding in that new that new space. It's kind of growth is growth. Right? Yeah, and exactly. You know, it comes in, 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 and and you in see and you ways. see the counter wave. I mean, there's a couple of new restaurants where like Station Six out by the lake, and there's Susan Spicer, who's a great chef, up in this place called Rosedale, where they've kind of gone back. And the chefs had said, you know, we want to go back to these traditions and do them better than they used to be. Yeah. Um, and do them right and stop cutting corners like some people might be. So, you know, it, it comes and goes. And it's the culture is still really strong here. There's still a really strong local culture. So I don't think we're going to lose our distinctiveness. So I mean, it's not it, like it, it would take a lot for New Orleans to lo- lose its distinctiveness. It's I not feel. like a true departure, but maybe no. just growth. It's, a, it's a, yeah. an evolution. An evolution. Possibly. Like in any it, city, it's a complicated well, place. Yeah, well, you start seeing like um, when cultural fusions happen. Right. Um, when you, you know, like where you have like Latin food meeting Asian food. I'm right. talking about like fusion on that level. Yeah. That's a huge, and so it'll be interesting to see. Like you probably have a third and fourth, fifth wave, and see how that. The evolves. waves will keep coming as long as they're not actually water. Yeah, so. let's listen. Yeah, maybe we should use that. We'll that take term waves that are not water. <laughs> a breeze, a breeze, a breeze. That's a right. A breeze. It's not a hurricane. There you go. So when we were talking before, you mm-hmm. had this really interesting thing about um, how prohibition kind of missed New Orleans. It did or did I mean it, it, it never? It wasn't. It was never like a the cocktail was never really put on the on, on. Yeah, I mean I think on hold completely. Yeah, I mean New Orleans certainly before prohibition was a big drinking city. Um, not that everywhere in the U.S. wasn't, but I mean if you look at where the great bartenders were, they were in San Francisco, they were in New Orleans, they were in New York. There are uh, a lot of them in DC. And, and DC, DC. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to sell them short. DC, absolutely. I used to live in DC. So, um, oh, very nice. So, yeah, just for a year though. But uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, I mean, certainly prohibition. People certainly didn't stop drinking here. I mean, yeah. I, I've gone back and looked at the records of the bust and. Commander's Palace, the you know, we're Grant. Sitting, we are sitting today. It was a, a speakeasy. Oh, this yeah, here in Napoleon House, <laughs> yeah, a speakeasy. Yeah. yeah, and Commander's Palace got raided, and uh, you know, I've read the newspaper articles. Um, but I think one thing you see, I mean, in America after Prohibition, we just kind of forgot how to make decent drinks. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm sure that was the case here as well. But we also forget stopped drinking them. Um, but New Orleans, even before we had this great cocktail renaissance in the last, what, 10, 15 years? It yeah. hasn't been that long. It's not that but, long. Um, but what was amazing here, I mean, people never stopped drinking cocktails. I mean, people still ordered their Sazerac before lunch. Yeah. Uh, that never stopped. I mean, people knew these drinks. They drank them. They may not have been drinking great versions of them, <laughs> uh, but there was still that appetite for them. I mean, no one was doing vodka soda. Well, they were drinking vodka sodas. But, they, you know, they still were ordering these drinks that were very old-fashioned and just disappeared everywhere else so um so i think that when the cocktail kind of renaissance happened across the country people were pretty familiar with these things here i mean they recognized someone was doing something better but it's like a sazerac yeah yeah we have those grandpa drank those great granddad you know like everybody drank these these were not strange no it's very much a part of the culture here absolutely not growing up here i didn't know what they were until i got older and started drinking i was like a what what so old-fashioned a real daiquiri Yeah. yeah yeah Well, yeah. alcohol is a very big part of the culture. Doesn't that just come out of like a machine? Well, those aren't bad. Those aren't sugar. bad. <laughs> Listen, it was 2.30 in the morning. I thought it was okay. So. You know, and <laughs> I have to and say I there's a lot of like 21. fancy frozen daiquiris now around town. People are kind of taking them back and putting some good booze in them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I was talking okay. about the ones that haven't done that. <laughs> yeah, but those have their place too. They do. Ooh, they usually end up giving you a headache the next day. Uh, though They, they, they have drive <laughs> outside of town. You have drive through daiquiri stands. So. 
You have what? Drive-through daiquiri stands. Oh, drive-through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But you can't put the straw through the lid. That's the rule. If you're driving a car. Yeah. Which of course, you're not gonna. Because well, because that <laughs> opens the container. You can't have that. So. But you can pick them up and drive home or yes. go party. Yeah, that's cool. That's and they come in giant. They come really. Big. They're big. They're big. Like yeah, thirty-two ounces. Or, yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's like true. a big gulp of. Big exactly gulp of is. frozen daiquiri. And yep. You can mix them up and then they you drive through. I mean, it's sort of. I love going to these like neighborhood spots. It's just like rows of these colorful daiquiri machines. And yeah. Yeah, they're very neighborhood. So you know. Hey, I'm not having. I'm not going to knock them. I'm there just, you go. I just uh, remember when I was way too young and making really bad decisions. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> sugar and hangovers are really bad uh, combos. They, that's they for cost sure. more as you, the older you get, so too. It's like not a one yeah. day, it's a two day. Well, I mean, speaking of daiquiri, I'm trying to be the per- perfect person to ask. So is it true that the, da- the frozen daiquiri came from snowballs and, and granitas mixed with um, alcohol? Do you know? I don't, but I would believe that. <laughs> so that I mean, this is what we're this is what we're um, hearing, you know, a little bit. So I mean, I guess that makes sense. Um, yeah. I know it was, you know, the snowball is a big thing here, which people think is like a snow cone, but it's not. Do not confuse the two. Uh, I, but I love. I would yeah, I mean, but people take their snowballs and particularly frats and such, and pour, you know. Yeah. Bottles and bottles of vodka over their snowballs. So it, you know, I'm sure that's been going on for a while. That didn't. Not just when you were in college. Not just when I was in college. No, <laughs> I didn't go to college here, so I, I, I missed out on that. But. Um, yeah, this is an area is just steeped with history. Yeah. And uh, you were telling me about the apocryphy, the um, Royal Street, the um, ah, uh, Peychaud's Bitters. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so uh, Peychaud's Bitters, pretty yeah. essential to the Sazerac. Well, you can't make a Sazerac without Peychaud's Bitters. So yeah. No, it's not a Sazerac. No, no, yeah. no. That's it's, it's just something. It's an absinthe drink. Yeah, it's an old fashioned <laughs> with absinthe, yeah. I guess. So. Uh, but it's a bitters, uh, and it was originally made by Amadine Peychaud. I hope I'm getting his name right. I watch. I'm going to like listen to this thing play back and realize I butchered his Antoine. That's okay. I do that Antoine. That's it. Yes. Antoine. Pe- thank yes, you. See, course. I knew. Part of my brain said I'm wrong. Uh, at his apothecary, which was on Royal Street, yep. a couple of blocks from where we are, a block from where we are, really, just over uh-huh. there. And uh, today it's a gun shop. So if you go by, but, a, but an antique gun shop. So if you're looking for the apothecary, Look, Look for, for the, the window of rows and rows and rows of like muskets and stuff, <laughs> and that's and, and actually Cure a Bar Uptown has a drink called the Gun Shop Fizz, which has I think an ounce and a half or two ounces of Peychaud's bitters. Nice. Which oh. uh, yeah yeah. Is it is it like medicinal or no? No, I mean they put strawberries and oh, you know yum. kind of lengthen it out, so oh. uh, it's refreshing. It's a spring drink. So. Yeah, so they use it like a like a pim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very nice. Right. That's something I would try. I love Cure. Cure is a wonderful oh, bar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wonderful bar. But, you know, they used to make Peychaud's here. They moved from Kentucky now. So, uh, Sazerac makes everything in Kentucky. They're owned by Sazerac, which has Sazerac whiskey. Yep. Named after the drink. Named after the bar that made the drink. It's a long, you know, they're all connected. So. Well, it was smart marketing back then, that's for yes. sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of jumped into the food. If if, I'm my, if my math mm-hmm. is right or my, my dates are right, you jumped into this food writing right before Katrina. Yeah, Sarah, we, we moved here a year before Katrina. We have excellent timing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> J- July fourth, I remember, rolled into town. It was hot. Um, a year before Katrina. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
and then we spent six months stuck in Dallas after the storm. Oh, so, sorry. Yeah, no, no, it was not good. Not yeah. good. So. <laughs> well, I guess that also kind of puts things in perspective for you. I would imagine that yeah. it just, I mean. Yeah, no, I mean, right afterwards, my wife and I said, you know, we're never coming back. No way. We're not going to do this. And then month after month, we kind of moved. And then by six months, we're like, yeah, we want to get back. So yeah. <laughs> enough of Dallas. Yeah, I bet. Did you move back into your home? Were you able to do no, that? No, I mean, our, we didn't flood, but we had an apartment. So, oh. we, we, I mean, we got very lucky. We lived closer to the river. We didn't flood. Um, and then, But we ended up having to live in a friend's uh, guest room on a mattress on the floor for six months. So, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> that, that was not good. Yeah, there were a lot of roaches in the house, too. Oh. Was, oh, oh, yeah, yikes. I know, I know. And you know you're that close to the floor. You know they can climb. But yeah. still, when you're on the floor, you're like, I feel like I'm invading their space. Uh, well, uh, I think you were. I yeah. really think you were. It's, kind of, it's part of New Orleans. Yeah. There's a lot of bugs down here. You know, yeah. we're in the swamp. Well, the swamp, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, some of this used to be swamp. Not the French Quarter, but most of the rest of the city. So. Yeah. So, um, are there... Um, are there any suggestions you would have, like if someone comes down and is looking for the right restaurant? Because this is a, a city mm. of tourism, which always, I mean, you'll have as many good restaurants as you do bad. Um, yeah. Well, just like in any city. Um, do you have any tips for somebody on how, if they're coming down for the first time, or even me? I mean, I hadn't been down for a couple of years, and Gina looked at me, where do you want to eat? And I'm like, you know, I haven't even had time to think about that. And it's so much, it's so important with the yeah. experience being here, because again, it's a city based, steeped in culture and, and history. And, and you've only got three food. meals a day, right? Exactly. So you don't. <laughs> well, one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them but you mess one up. You've like that's thirty percent, thirty-three percent of your meals you've messed up. Yeah, Look exactly. at that. You don't want to make that kind of. You mistake. don't want to waste those calories on bad food. Um, <laughs> it, it, do you have any tips on how to find them? Like how to figure it out? Like I mean, other than just like come to our website. And Blindly. I, I may be just trying to lead you there. <laughs> you could do that. You know, we, we have a list of our favorite restaurants. And if you go to NOLA.com slash where NOLA eats, that's got all of our stories. Uh, and I, I would say also, I mean, I think there's a lot of great things in the French Quarter. Um, there's also a lot of really crappy that's tourist places in the French is, Quarter. Yeah. Uh, and even some of the places you may have thought were great because you've heard of them are pretty crappy by this point. Yeah. Um, but I also think you've really got to get out of the French Quarter. Uh, you know, you've got to travel and, you know, get on an Uber, get in a taxi, take the streetcar, but get to Uptown, see somewhere else. Because a lot of the great places where the residents go are outside of the French Quarter. Not that we yes. don't come in here, but yes. uh, and not that people don't live here, although fewer than used to. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to get out. You need to go uptown. You need to go like Frenchman's. That's Frenchman they? really for music. Not yeah. much great food on Frenchman's. No, no. Uh, but for entertainment, I guess entertainment. It's a great yeah, place to go it's a great to place to listen to music. The food can be kind of iffy. Uh, Ferret Street's a cool place uh, in uptown. That's where Cure is. But also, there's uh, you know a lot of good restaurants. Hi Hat Cafe is a good place. Uh, I mean, there's it's hard to list one or two without you know. Yeah. Yeah, sliding the other. Sliding the other 3,000. Yeah, typically, so. I've always stayed in the Garden District. And the Garden District's wonderful, and then, cause yeah. Because it's just a little quieter. You're just outside of the mayhem. Yeah, yeah. But you can put your toe in the water when you, re when you, you want to. Go to, to Commander's Palace. Yeah, get back or, out. Yeah. And then, like, Magazine Street. There's a yep. lot of small, locally owned places mm -hmm, there. Find mm -hmm. some really good meals there. Absolutely. Great. Um, is it? Do you have a crazy meal? Do you have, like, a meal that you were just, like... A crazy meal? Yeah. What counts as crazy? I don't know. I'm asking you. You're the writer. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we we have crazy good, crazy bad. Well, I mean, you know, there was one crazy one, which is not one anybody can get because it's something we set up ourselves. We do a monthly dinner series, um, and so for Carnival, uh, which 
Yes. For people who know, it's not Mardi. Gras. It's not just Mardi Gras. It yeah. runs a long time. It starts on Twelfth Night after yeah. Christmas, uh, and runs until um, until Lent begins. So. Okay. Carnival is shorter or longer depending on the, the calendar. But uh, for Carnival this year, we staged a dinner at Toop South, which is uh, Isaac Toop's restaurant in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. And so we did a, a play on a beefsteak, and the beefsteaks were the old dinners where you would just eat a ton of beef with your hands, no utensils, no napkins. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and, and so Isaac, you know, he didn't you do You did this with your closest 100 friends? Is that what you're Yeah, doing? I mean, we, we had like 80 people who bought tickets, uh, and then we, we actually printed up aprons with my face on them, which was a little strange, and people could wipe them, their hands there, and whoever the, the dirtiest weird. apron. White, yeah. love it. The meat. Yeah, it was, it was eight courses. It was eight courses. No tried utensils to the whole time. No utensils, no napkins, lots of alcohol. He tried to kill us with food, and he I think he almost made it. So That's It was the only time where I like, got to dessert, which was just like some chocolates and strawberries by that point and i took one bite and my body was just no stop like <laughs> we can not anymore you're done that's it you know like and i could not it didn't matter what i wanted it just told me like don't take another bite but, <laughs> uh but that was that was good um so um gina let's not try to kill todd today what we're, do you think we're, you can, we you are, can take a shot we're, yeah. we're not going to do that and we are going to do um a little bit of a tradition but we're going to twist it up all big time okay so what I need is, um, we're using Sazerac. So we're doing uh, a little bit of rye. Uh, so we're gonna do two ounces of Sazerac rye. And then what we're using is an um, oleo syrup, which is um, grapefruit. And this is kind of like if Sazerac uh, uh, rye met a daiquiri and they kind of uh, got together. And had a little baby? Made, and had a little baby, <laughs> except it's kind of, there's, there's, a, there's a traditional cocktail called the lion's tail which would be something that it's part of, and then there would be something that's part of if it was going the daiquiri of a Hemingway daiquiri. So it's Love kind of in the Hemingway middle, but we're using, we're using rye. So what is in here is two ounces of um, Sazerac rye, and then we have one ounce, or sorry, half an ounce of um, oleo syrup, and then I added to that some grapefruit juice, and then I have this wonderful bitters, that I brought um, from New York, and it's called Aphrodite Bitters, and it actually has a little bit of chocolate in it. So we're gonna shake this up. So would that be a bitter somebody could get online if they're not? Yes, in New you York? can get um, Aphrodite Bitters is available um, through Meadow.com, which is uh, Mark Bitterman's salt store in uh, New York. So you can get it very simply. Great. Or Amazon even probably. I, I don't know. So we're double straining this into a chilled coupe glass. And then I'm just going to put on top of this just a little sprig of um, mint blossom because it's pretty and purple and it's and it's uh, just you know gorgeous. And then a red shiso leaf, so just a little aromatic, pretty. You know, you can decorate your uh, cocktail whatever you want. Beautiful. You don't actually need to have a um, garnish. It's just. Sometimes the garnish is just, you know, the topper. So if, if, any, if anyone doesn't know what kind of glass she's talking about, don't worry. Uh, if you miss any of those steps, you can always go, go to designateddrinker.show. That's designateddrinker.show for the full recipe and all of the ingredients and um, even how to find um, those hard-to-find um, ingredients. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Yeah? Nicely done. So what, do you, what, do you, what are you tasting? What are you feeling? What is it? Um, Nice. I like the whole daiquiri play with the Sazerac and with the rye instead. Yeah. yeah. The 
garnish is incredible, though. It's a mint sprig. Yeah, it's just a, it's a mint blossom. How do you get those? So um, I mean, it, you grow them, probably. Yeah, right? yeah. There, there is a there is a woman uh, here in New Orleans, and her name is Sarah. And I just got a, and I actually have a phone number for her, and she has a, a little co-op actually, and mm. she wow, produced all of this, and they're like. Um, she just gave me beautiful herbs to use today. Wow. And oh, this is it right here in the bouquet we got yeah, on the table. Yeah, it is. Yeah. really cool. Is there anything in particular you might um, uh, pair that up with? Is there something? Uh, or is it just w- uh, with that, I would say, like, any sort of, like, it's a beautiful summer drink. And I think mm-hmm. that, like, a beautiful, yeah. uh, like, a lean cut of pork on the grill or uh, even in a, a nice, like, uh, oily summer fish it would be really nice, like, a... Uh, like a swordfish or something, like swordfish steaks or kebabs or something would be really nice. What are you thinking, Todd? Uh, just like a bowl of crackling. It's like <laughs> yes, that would be delicious. <laughs> something healthy? You know, those go with any cocktail, though. So. Wait, wait, we have Todd here. Todd, yes, yes. If I moved to New Orleans and became a bartender, right, would okay. I make it? Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, we know we're not in our own digs. We're here at the Napoleon House, and I think I just heard the last call. Gina, you know what that means. I'm going to get it right this time. We don't have to go home, but we just have to get the hell out of here. I think I'm going to take Todd with me. What do you think? (laughs) I think you should. We'll get some good meals out of the deal. That's right.